On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. This is Jesse. A quick note before we started. I interviewed Steve the other day, and um, it's one of those times where our international call, Skype, did not have the clearest um, reception. So there's going to be a couple of times where it may be difficult to hear Steve. Um, I apologize. I thought the conversation was so good. I didn't want to not share it. I apologize in advance, and I thank you for your understanding. And here's the episode. Hey there, it's Lee McCormick from Tramps Like Us, Bruce Springsteen podcast. And when I'm not working on my podcast or listening to my own podcast, I like to listen to Jesse Jackson on Set Less Than Bruce. Check him out. to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is another fan from across the pond. Uh, that's right. Man, those UK, UK people just keep loving to talk to me, and I love it as well. Today, I have um, a fellow musician... And a guy that may uh, play in a uh, Bruce Springsteen tribute band. I'm going to ask more about that. But for now, let's welcome Steve. How you doing, Steve? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am really good. Um, I thank you for taking time out of your Saturday afternoon to talk to me. Uh, tell me a little about yourself. Uh, well, where do I start? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm 53. I'm a musician. I've been a musician for life. I've played the guitar since I was uh, around 13 years old. Obviously, a mad Bruce fan. And I filmed the East Street Band over here in the UK. Uh, yeah, very nice. Steve uh, saw that on Facebook. I was looking for guests, and he reached out and said, Hey, any chance you'd want to talk to me? And I said, of course. So uh, thanks for being here. That's good. No problem. No problem. So I always like to start, Steve, before we get to Bruce, I like to talk about musical origins. You mentioned that you've been a musician 
uh, almost all your life. But talk about growing up. What kind of music did your family listen to? What did you listen to as a kid? Oh, uh, well, I was really lucky, really, because um, I have a sister who's 12 years older than me and a brother who is 10 years older. So as I got sort of old enough to listen to, you know, list, consciously listen to music, I uh, it would be the Rolling Stones that my, my sister was really into and Elvis Presley, Beatles, of course, uh, as they were teenagers, you know, my brother and sister would be teenagers in the 60s. And I think every teenager in Britain in the 60s was a Beatles fan. I or, imagine. Yeah. Um, in the States as well, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my brother was also into a lot of soul music as well. Uh, so, you know, I listened to a lot of people like Otis Redding as well. Uh, Bob Dylan was another, another big sort of uh, influence. And then as I sort of got to a teenager, I was like, I was really, really into music. The Stones were a massive influence on me. The reason I started playing the guitar really was um, down to Keith uh, Richards. Just wanted to, I just loved the sound that he got from a guitar. And then as I got more uh, into my own sort of teenage years, started playing the guitar, I got into bands like The Clash, who I always liked. And around 79, I discovered uh, Springsteen. There used to be a, a TV program over here, uh, which was really popular. It was considered a serious music program. And I remember seeing Rosalita on there for the first time. And also, um, there was a clip of The River. And then when The River album came out, I remember going and buying it. And that was the, my sort of introduction to Bruce, really, as well. So I think I listened to a lot of the same stuff probably as well that Bruce was listening to due to the fact that my, you know, the ages of my brother and sister. My mum was a, a, a really big um, music fan as well. She would listen to, to all sorts of things. She used to like car. She's a big fan of Elvis. Um, and she also, um, Dean Martin was a big favourite. And uh, I still love, uh, that's Amore, the song That's Amore. I keep saying I'm going to cover it at some point, but never have. So that, that's that's my early days, I guess. No, that's that's amazing. Um, that is a great, um, you know, kind of musical background. I, I can tell you kind of loved music. You know, one of the things, Steve, that I, I find a lot in this discussions is that um, siblings, you know, either you're, you know, you're either the oldest and therefore you're influencing uh, the people that are listening or you are a, um, you know, you are being influenced by your older siblings. So that's, uh, that's always interesting to hear that. And you tend to, you know, it sounds like you're doing the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, there, there's, there's been a turnaround on that as well. You know, that my sister, for the past sort of, since, uh, since the Tunnel of Love tour, my sister got into Bruce. He played um, local tours in Sheffield, so my sister went along and, and you know, got bitten by the bug, shall we say, and uh, we, we sort of like go to shows together now. 
yeah. traveling there to various shows together. So she, she just turned 65, bless her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a pensioner in, in, in Britain. Yeah, so, Steve, when you said, you know, around the late 70s you discovered Bruce, yeah. talk to me a little bit about that. How did you find him, and, and what about him kind of struck a chord in you? I, I just, um, the, I came to it, as I say, by, I saw the Rosalita uh, video on on the old Grey Whistle Test, which was really, you know, influential. just saw that and just, you know, um, I think one of the big things was that I, I, I was imagining music in my own head, you know, as, as a young person wanting to write music. Um, and I, I just sort of heard that for the first time, Rosalita, and I just thought, that's where I want to play. That's the music that I want to make, the music that sounds like that. You know, the, the guitars, but also the piano and the saxophone, which was sort of really missing in music around that time. Um, then the River album came out, and I just remember hearing the song The River and just being completely blown away by it just by the sort of emotion of it all. And I was lucky enough, just by complete accident, um, a friend of mine was going to see Bruce in, in uh, Birmingham, in England, and his girlfriend didn't want to go. She decided she didn't want to go because we were all going out somewhere, and she decided she'd rather go with us. So I said I would go. And I said, oh, I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll have the ticket. And I was on the, uh, the NEC on the River Tour. And uh, I think it was the second of the two nights I did in Birmingham. And Pete Townsend joined him on stage, Pete Townsend from the U. We're another sort of like great band, another massive influence. Sure. Um, wow, that must have been pretty cool to see. You know, once you've seen him. That's it, you know, you have to go back for more, don't you? you know, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah, Steve, I totally agree. I talk about this a lot on the podcast, that there's two kinds of people. The people that go see Bruce the first time and go, wow, that was a long show. And then the rest of us who hear him and go, oh, my goodness, I want to sell everything I own and see him every time I can. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, way to go, man. I, that was uh, nice of your buddy's girlfriend to decide she'd rather do something else. Like, yeah, sure, I'll go to Bruce. Yeah, I, uh, I assume that, I mean, he wasn't, and I, I suppose he was more of a cult artist in, in Britain at that time, you know? He wasn't, uh, obvious, I mean, during the boom of the USA tour over here, he was more popular than Michael Jackson. He was the, he was the biggest star in the world. Yeah. I was in the States as well. And a similar sort of thing, we, we went to we went to a few shows on the Bone of the USA tour. It's obviously I'd had a few more years to listen. I was slightly older so I could I could pay my own way a bit better. And um, I um, we took a friend along with us who me, me and my friend who, who was a big Bruce fan as well. Um, we took this guy along with us, and, and he absolutely hated him. Oh, how funny. Until <laughs> uh -huh. uh, he managed to 
some reason or it was a big outdoor show in uh, at Ramday Park that he went to and he managed to get in free there were a lot of free there was a lot of fake tickets there was a lot of disorganization it was really really strange but um, a group of young people came with ball cutters and started cutting the fence down so he, he went in he managed to get in saw the show he came back we got back home on the Monday morning he immediately went out and bought everything he could of Bruce. Yeah, he's just like, bang, and that's him, man. He's the same, he just goes everywhere. He absolutely, you know, he was like, everywhere he went in Britain at that time, and everywhere you would see Bruce on every shop, you know, music shop window was Bruce Springsteen this. He was all over the radio and everything. And, you know, he was just fed up of it. And uh, so in my mind, it changed him. <laughs> just changing completely into a big Bruce fan is is really good. You know that's that's awesome to talk about, and um, it, it you know there there is just this um he reaches he reaches out to us through his music, and and you know there is just something special about that, and yeah. that's the reason I do the podcast is that. I love that, you know, I love talking to people that find that magic and share it. Um, so I always put a caveat uh, that, um, you know, the number of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. You know? uh, because I have talked to people that have never seen him that are massive fans. Uh, but... I do always like, just for the record, how many times have you seen it? <laughs> I think uh, I went on the river tour last year to Coventry, and I think we worked there with my 54th show. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely crazy, I guess, but, you know. Yeah. But going back to what you were saying, I mean, I, I was told somebody a while back at one of the gigs we were doing, and... Um, similar sort of topic came up and this young lady says, oh, I've only ever seen him once. And she says, oh, well, you know, that's great. She says, no, she says, I don't want to go again. She says, it was that good that I don't think anything will be any better. <laughs> so she doesn't want to go again. It was just really strange to me, yeah. but, yeah, but... No, I... I, I, yeah, I, I get that. Any better. Yeah, she's like, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it was so wonderful. I just can't imagine... Um, yeah, um, I, I would quote that, um, the, uh, Allie, um, who's been on the show a couple, many times, always says he never disappoints. So, yeah. uh, you know, you can tell her, hey, um, okay, you know, he, he, he never disappoints. Um, is there, uh, I want to get into, um, you're kind of, you know, how you decided to be, to start the band and kind of talk about that. Before I do that, though, is there any um, special songs or, or albums that mean a lot to you? Uh, I love, uh, Tunnel of Love is one of my favorite albums. Um, my favorite sort of, um, my favourite's a weird one to say because I think there's that many and I think it depends 
what mood I'm in, what what's what's happening. You know, I think if if art reflects life, then you know, Bruce is a hall of mirrors, I guess. You know, with with all the different things going on there. The one song that in all 50 odd shows I had never seen was For You. And I'd always liked that song. It was one of the first I learned to play of his. I just liked the sort of Tumbling Dylan-esque lyrics. And, and Mike, the young lady I was just telling you about, he came on stage in Coventry on the River Tour last year. And, you know, he said, good evening, went down, sat down at the piano. He played an F chord. Nobody else in the building would have probably, you know, known what it was. And just instantly I thought, he's going to play it. Yeah. He's got to play it, and he, he did for you. And I just turned to my sister and just said, "I can go home now." I'm, you know, and and the amount of people that said to me afterwards, like, "Oh, as soon as he started playing it, we thought of you." We just instantly thought of you because, you know, you said you've seen it 53 times and he's never played it, and then, you know, he did it, and it and it was wonderful. It was just, I don't know, something. It was just special. Something yeah. Was special, oh, that's you know. That, yeah, that sounds perfect. You know, I I was asked, I was on a different podcast, and they said, what's your top three Springsteen mm-hmm. songs? And I said, um, Land of Hope and Dreams, Better Days, and the third one changes every day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I totally get your, you know, as you say, it depends on the mood. It just, it, there's so much, you know, his catalog is so diverse. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That you you can fit any mood or any kind of phase in your life. All right. That's, so, that's so, on the road yesterday, and it was just like, whoa, yeah, yeah. You just forget what a great song that is. You know, I think um, I'm actually um, Lucky Town. Also, he's, I think it's a tremendous album. Yeah, absolutely tremendous album. I don't. Um, I know Union Touch gets a lot of sort of bad press among fans, but I think if you stripped away all the glossy production, you know, I mean, the song itself, Union Touch, what a song! Yeah, <laughs> what a damn, you yeah. know, some of these songs, you know. I, I totally agree. You know, in fact, um, I have a friend, um, Sam, that says that if he had just made one album yeah. two, it may have been one of his greatest yeah. um, you know, albums of all time um, and, and I um, yeah I, I appreciate that and, and um, I don't know if you know this but we are going for um, I've had different guests join me on the show Mm-hmm. Um, and we are going through albums and ranking the songs, you know, worst to first. And uh, Jeff Smith and I just did Tunnel of Love, and we talked about it. We went through each of the songs and talked about it. So um, you may want to check that out since you mentioned that's one of your favorites. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so here's uh, – talk to me about the band. Uh, share with me, like – Give me your origin story. Okay, we, we started, um, as I say, I've, I've been a musician for, for too many years to, to, uh, to sort of worry about, really, but I was, obviously, you know, Bruce was a massive influence.
influence and I used to I'd play in cover bands and we would play you know uh, we'd maybe do Dancing in the Dark we used to do My Own Town and then I had my own band play my own material and we'd slip the odd cover in and it would always be a Bruce song but we'd do something like um, The Ties That Bind or something so it was a bit more obscure to a lot of people and just over the years and um there's a lot of the, the music venues and bars that have music and stuff in, in Britain are closing. You know, it's getting harder and harder to, to, to work as a musician a lot of the time, you know, at, at a sort of roots level for a lot of people. And tribute bands became very, they, they became very popular. Okay. And, and people would say to me, you should do Bruce, you should do Bruce. And I always shied away from it. And I said, no, no, no. I love the music, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know, I'm not interested. And then, uh, about nine years ago, um, the guy who was playing drums, I, I went to school with this guy, you know, we, we've been together uh, and playing music since school days, really. And he said, oh, why don't we just do it? You know, let's just do it. He says, even if it's just a one-off. He says, think how much you will enjoy just playing an hour's Bruce music or something. So I said, oh, go on, yeah, why not? So we got some musicians together, played, you know, got a set list together, and I think the first thing we played together, believe it or not, was Spirit in the Night, which is, you know, um, another great classic. So we went, we, we did a show, and it was just fantastic. It was just like the old sort of feeling that we got from it, uh, and it just sort of snowballed from there. We, I, I've done quite a lot of solo gigs as well, which I really love. You know, so I, I sort of like dipping into that. But the band's just gone from strength to strength. There's a great group of people. Uh, you, you've probably seen them on Facebook, the E Street fans. Yeah. These guys, they do, they raise loads of money for charity, and it was a, a couple, Pauline and Steve, and they uh, they had a mantra on the back of a T-shirt, you know, we are the burger-eating, ticket-sinking, queue-forming, and on and on, you know, um, legendary Eastern fans, and, and some people saw this and, and said, what, um, you know, where do I get this? Where do I get one of these? So they decided that they would have some printed up and sell them for charity. And there was a young, a young guy uh, from Nottingham who is, is really here, ill, and his parents needed to raise quite a lot of money to sort of help him out. He was a Bruce fan, so we all sort of got together, put on this show for him, and it's sort of gone from there, but these guys sort of like meet up at our gigs, which means, you know, we've had um, a young lady came over from New York to see us in September, uh, which was just amazing, you know. She came over, not specifically to see us, but she right. put it, uh, you know, into her schedule. We have people come from Germany, from France. So we have all these great people, yeah, and, and they're all great Bruce fans. And I think they recognize the fact that we are, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, somebody said to us, you know, the, the one thing that they really, really like about us, as opposed to some of the other tribute bands. I mean, there are some other great Bruce tribute bands in, in Britain as well, you know. You know, 
I, um, but uh, she said the one thing that stuck out was she says that you play for us. She says, which is exactly what Bruce does for me. You know, she says, it feels like you play for us. Not so you're not on there saying, look how good we are. Aren't we fantastic? You're there. And she says, it, it becomes a shared experience. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the, in sort of 40 years as a musician, I think it's one of the best confidence I've ever had. You know, to, uh, that, you know, we touch somebody like that in that sense, which is just, you know, it's not all altruistic. I mean, just standing in the middle of the stage while the band's playing Jungle Land, you know, it doesn't get much better than just standing there and thinking, I'm, I'm part of this, you know, I'm, I'm creating some of this, I'm playing some of this, what is to me the greatest music that's ever been written, you know, so there's a great feeling around that. Just yeah. being on stage and doing it is great, you know. You know, I, I love that story. I... I have a different story that's not Bruce-related, but um, one of my favorite bloggers is a guy named Mark Evanier. He's written a lot of comic books. He was very active with the Garfield um, comic, uh, the cartoon series, and he was in Vegas once, and a friend of his said, hey, I've got free tickets for you uh, for a show, but I need you not to make fun of me, and he said, well, what? And he said, well, it's for Barry Manilow. And he goes, no, nah, I'd love to go see Barry. So he went, and uh, he was sitting next to a couple, and this was their wedding anniversary. And they talked about they had fell in love. Um, you know, and what their song was Weekend in New England, and how Barry was a major part of their life. And Mark said that if he was a musician, that a story like that of someone saying their music was part of their life would mean more to him than any Grammy, any platinum record. And and I think you feel the same way. I think that's perfect. That, you know, you're interpreting Bruce's music and you're trying to bring that joy and love to people listening to it. And, and good for you. Yeah, I actually met my wife Bruce music as well, which yeah. is another story. I was uh, my wife had been she'd been working in Australia. Okay. She came back to England and you know wondering what she was going to do next, sort of thing. You know she was she she was keen on traveling all over, and I was playing a, a charity gig and I, I was playing just solo with the acoustic guitar. And it was baking. It was a really hot day, which is unusual for, for Northern England. It really is. And we filmed the doors open in this club I was playing in, and she was living in a flat across the way. So she got the windows open. She says, and I heard this Bruce music coming from somewhere. She says, and I thought it was somebody in the flats who was also into Bruce. Into Bruce. So she went looking, walking around the flats that apartments, uh, as you guys call them in America, see you know, if she could figure out where the where it was coming from. Then she realized it was coming from the club across the road, so she came came across, walked in, just as I was finishing my set. So she came up and said hello. You know, she said how much she'd enjoyed what she'd heard and what she saw, and then that was it. We struck up this conversation about Bruce, and she'd been to see him a few times herself, 
you know, and then uh, we went out a couple of days later and the rest is history. We've now got two children and, you know, she wouldn't let me call them Bruce and Patty, but, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> I did have a dog called Rosalita, though, but, you know, she allowed that. <laughs> no, that's, that is awesome. I, you know, um, there, I, I just had an episode where uh, the local Dallas um, tribute band Thunder Road was on my, uh, they were playing and I went to their rehearsal, heard them talking about it, and then uh, after the rehearsal we just hit record on the player and the six or seven of them sat around talking to me about the music. So I'm going to ask you a lot of the same questions. Is is there a song that you guys in the band um, are kind of tired of playing, but you feel like you have to play it because, you know, the crowd's going to want to hear it? Ah, no. No. Not at all. I I, I can't speak to the guys. I don't think so. Uh, For me, I know that. I, I, everyone is just like, mm, yeah, that's great. Oh, if, there's one, if there's one I don't particularly fancy playing, we just put something else in. I mean, people say to us, you know, why do you play for so long? You know, we're, we're doing a show in a few weeks, which is quite a nice sort of step up for us. It's, we're going to like, quite a, um, it's moving us up a level, a level really. Uh, we're playing venues. Southside played there a few times. I've, I've been CC's. Outside there at home for, and uh, we sort of we had to negotiate so we could play longer. They wanted us to have a support band, and we said, oh, no, 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 we don't, you know, nothing against support or anything. So we have got the young lad who's going to play sort of 20 minutes acoustic stuff, but um, we, can't, we can't take songs out basically. If we decide to learn a new number, then we don't take something out. We <laughs> you you know? reach, yeah, about how long do you play, Steve? Uh, a minimum of two and a half hours. Wow. We probably we probably push the three hours generally. Very um, nice. Um, sometimes we'll just go out and play. I'll play a few acoustic numbers, and then we'll bring the band on. We'll put a few acoustic numbers in the middle. Some of you request something, so it's like, hey, we haven't played this for a bit, you know. We haven't, we, we didn't play Sherry Darling for quite a while, and it was like, why, why don't you do Sherry? Somebody says, why don't you do Sh- Sherry Darling? And it was like, yeah, why don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, um, Bam, you know, what, how do you do your mix? Um, you know, what the guys talked about in Thunder Road is, you know, they they try to play a lot of stuff off Born in the USA because people know that. And then they, you know, they and they'll try to figure out and mix in um, some stuff for the more hardcore fans. And then they try to do a nice blend that if you're just someone who's... Because, you know, they play a lot of restaurants and bars, so it may not be a specific people there going to hear them. So they want to, okay, 
I want to get the casual fan happy and dancing, but I also want to throw something out there for the hardcore guys. How about you? How do you guys determine your set list? We sometimes do weddings, you know, and, and we learned quite early that, you know, if the bride and groom might be big Springsteen fans, but the other 100 people, 200 people on their uh, guest list aren't necessarily so, so they're like, hmm, you know, we, so, uh, that, that's where we look at doing, you know, uh, the Born in the USA stuff, more as, as people know it, and we do, uh, we maybe put in things like Twist and Shout, you know, the, the Bruce covers and, yeah. uh, and Higher and Higher, and that sort of thing, you know, just so it's Bruce related, and and so on. When we um, like the unfurred gig coming up, I tend to ask people, "Is there anything that they would like?" And you know, these people were traveling a long way to see us. You know, is there any particular song? Somebody contacted me the other day. They sent an email. You know, this is really really cheeky, but is there any chance you could play racing in the streets? We're coming all the way from Ireland. You know, over to see you and and. What have you? So it's like if they're making that effort, I'm sure I can make yeah. effort. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I get it, and I also think, you know, like for the for a wedding, you can also look at like, okay, even if um, it isn't well known, um, you can, um, you know, throw in there uh, Darlington County or working on the highway. That's an yeah. upbeat song that people could dance to once you build the mix up, right? Yeah. That, uh, so that's nice. Well, um, one of the yeah. things that she, the, not necessarily really, it would not be obscure to us, yeah. but, um, you know, it's not the most well-known Springsteen song would be from Small Things. That yeah. does amazing. As does Pink Cadillac, but that, there is, somebody had a number one hit in England, uh, Natalie Cole, I think, had a number one hit with that, so people sort of know the song. Yeah. And also, we do the, um, it's a sort of mix of the Seeger Sessions and the E Street Band version of Open All Night with the Boogie Boogie Piano, and uh, uh, and that's that's great, that's fantastic, because oh. there's a, yeah, yeah we, that, that sort of version of it, and so people just like, and it tends to work a lot with the older people as well. They sort of, ooh, yeah, it's almost like a, I don't know, they can, they feel they can jive to it or, or something or, yeah, and, and that seems to work, yeah, I, work I, really well for us. Yeah, I can imagine, Steve. Um, do you have any, um, do, any special memories or sharing that, you know, that you've already shared someone coming to you and saying that they feel like you were playing for them um, I also imagine, you know, one of the things that I love about um, Bruce and the E Street Band when they're playing is the joy they have. You can tell that whether there were five people or 500,000 people there, the band is just enjoying playing together. Um, I know you guys must feel the same way. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Is there other stories you might want to share? I, I love the fact that the guys coming from Ireland were like, hey, can you throw in Racing in the Street? Anything else that you might want to share? We've had, I think, 
One of the strangest ones was, was somebody asked if you could play Happy. You know one of the things on tracks. And I was learning it and I'm thinking, there was something about it that just didn't work for me. Yeah. It just wasn't happening. And it, it just, I don't know, but we sort of decided, well, we played, we played it. And as soon as we played it live, it just all came together. It had been horrendous during the year, so it was like, oh, we can't do this, we can't do this. Yes, but this young lady's requested it, it's a wedding anniversary or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, so if it comes to it, I will play it on my own and, and you know, we'll, we'll figure it out somehow. Anyway, we just decided we would go for it. And it worked. Uh, another particular, you know, another particular one uh, that was really nice was we played a couple of days after Clarence passed. Okay. And so we, you know, it was really strange. I mean, it was, I never thought that I would sort of be upset by a celebrity passing, you know, or, or somebody I didn't really know personally, you know, didn't yeah. know. But I think the music that he'd made, and the same with Danny Federici as well, um, you know, I, I was actually physically, you know, I, I literally cried when both of them passed away. I think uh, reading Bruce's autobiography as well, the, the thing that touched me most was when he was talking about about Danny's passing. And there's a bit on the video where they play Sandy, and you can see Bruce actually turns to him and tells him he loves him, and it was the last time they played him. Things like, and we, as I went back to my story, we played a couple of days after Clarence passed. And so we decided we would end the show with Jingle Land. Yeah, which is normally we play it sort of. Um, if we do two sets, we'll play it at the end of the first set, or, you know, it goes towards the, the back end of the show usually, for, um, just, you know, for the, for the diehard fans, the big fans. I mean, that's. Um, a little aside with something like that, like you were saying about the different audiences, I think if you go on a stage as six or seven musicians and you play something like Jungle Land, people appreciate the fact that you can play music like that, you know, physically play as musicians. They may not know the song, they may not like it, but they sort of think, wow, you know, that takes some playing. Um, so you get appreciated just as a musician for playing something like that, I think. But the the, the story with, with the thing, so so we we decided we would we would close the show and and play Jungle Land right at the very end. And there were you know grown men, six foot five, you know, <laughs> uh, rugby players, big 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 sort of lads with tears coming down their down the faces during the saxophone solo. And one guy posted onto our website um, something about the big man must have been looking down, and and I think he would have had a tear in his own eye, you know, because of the the sort of tribute that we paid to him, which is really nice, you know. That that was a big one. That that's the sort of big memory I have as well. That I yeah. can imagine. That is, I I know that when. Um, I, when Bruce played the Apollo Theater um, after Clarence's passing, 
and uh, you know they they had it was the live show for SiriusXM um, subscribers, and it was the first time you know he said, "Are we missing anyone?" Uh, and uh, yeah. I started. I mean, I started tearing up yeah. right away. I thought and, it was the way the way that he stopped during Tenth Avenue freeze out as well. Yes. And just and then the images of Clarence came up. Yeah. Um, you know, on the big screen, which I, I, that was fantastic. That's something I'll never forget as well. The way that worked. Every time I listen, my um, one of my favourite tracks on the rising is "You're Missing." I think it, right. I I lost lost my mother, and um, that in the August as as the rising came out in October, I believe it, it came out. It was either just after or just before. And, not very good with dates, but I know it was around the time, and, and so that song always reminds me of my mother every time I hear that. And but then you've got the beautiful, um, subliminal organ, the keyboard solo at the end of that with Danny Federici's is just one of his finest moments. It's seriously, is it? Yeah, I just think it's such a phenomenal piece of playing. And, and just some just suits the the song so much. Yeah, I think Bruce described him as, as one of the most instinctive musicians. And you know, I think he he proved it. You know, he proved it. Yeah, I totally agree. They're absolutely phenomenal. You know, I've got goosebumps now just thinking about the song. You know, just actually literally just thinking about you missing and that keyboard solo talking about it. Really do. So I, I have a question. Um, when uh, you're doing Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, yeah, um, do you say now this is the important part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay! We <laughs> we have completely, completely by accident. There was no design uh, to this. Apart from just good luck, good, I, I don't know, you know uh, but we have a, a saxophone player, he's, um, he's, he's Jamaican origin, so, uh, and he's about six foot four, okay. a very, very large presence in, in our band, and it was really, he came to join the band, we, we had a couple of saxophone players, different saxophone players in the early days, and um, both, of, both of them left, and I was working, um, I was teaching music, and a guy who worked with me was a really, really good sax player, and he stepped in for a few shows, and he said, I can't really commit to it, you know, I don't want to commit, and we've always had a thing where, we want it to be a band. It's not me and different musicians, or it's not me and the same bass player, drummer, but we'll have anybody else in to cover, you know, uh, or deputise or whatever. Uh, it's always, we've always wanted it to be a band. And this guy said that, he um, says, I, I know a place where there's loads of saxophone players, there's a jam. A jam night, but they're, they're all jazz players, so there's loads and loads of saxophonists. He says, I'll introduce you to a couple of guys, he says, who I think will be good for the band. 
So we go, we made, uh, I met the first first guy. He's, he's played with us a couple of times, actually. We've had, um, he played with, we played with Billy Walton, and, and we did a set with Billy Walton's band. There was uh, the Billy Walton band and our band, and we all played together, which was fantastic. And uh, this sax player came and played that night with us as well. And he said, oh, yeah, he says, I'll do it. He says, but, you know, I'm busy. I do this, that, and that. I don't like to travel. Uh, but I'll do it because I started playing saxophone because of Clarence Clemens. You know, um, I, I had spinsteen in the 80s, you know, and, and really wanted to do, you know, to play the sax because of Clarence. And then um, he said, what about this guy, Goose, the guy who plays with us? And he says, uh, well, you know, he says, he'd be good. He says, all right. He says, he should be coming later. should be coming along. And he came in and then walks this <laughs> six foot four, you know. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the door would have thrown off the bar and down the street. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we could have had us in the story. Um, but the beauty was, we, we had a show and I'd, I'd gone up with a CD with like sort of 30 songs on, we need to do these, these are the songs we're doing, blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, I need to rehearse though first. I said, well, fine, yeah, we'll come along, we'll set up a rehearsal. He was the only one who was available to do it, to do this particular show. The other two guys couldn't do it. And the idea originally was that we'd have these three saxophonists and we would, whoever was available would do the gig, sort of thing. And this guy came in, Goose came in, rehearsed with us. And at the end of the rehearsal, our drummer turned around and said, well, what's working? Are you up to it? And he used to turn around and he says, yeah, I'll do the gig. He says, I'm one condition. And we were like, oh, he's going to ask for whatever, this, that, and the other. Said, I want to be in the band. I want to be the sax player for this band. I have had a great evening. I have had a great time. I've been, I'd never heard Bruce Springsteen before, he said, but I've loved listening to this music. Um, his favorite is The Promised Land. He thinks it's, he, he feels it's a prayer and loves it. And, you know, so we were like, yes. <laughs> you know, this is, he couldn't have gone any better. And seven years later, you know, he, he's still there. And he said to me oh, a few uh, a few months back, actually, because we, we developed a really good friendship, really deep friendship. You know, we, we spent time together outside of the band as well. And and he said, like, he says, I bet you couldn't believe your bloody eyes when I walked in, could you? <laughs> you know, like, we were talking about Clarence and, you know, because some people, you know, they'll, they'll quite blatantly said, where did you find a big black sax player like that to come and play? And said, well, we didn't. He found us. Yeah, <laughs> it's which is probably far better. Oh yeah, yeah because you know um, what's kind of cool is um, you know on this Thunder Road band that's here in Dallas, the guys are um, the actual. There's two brothers oh. um, that um, you know one of them is the drummer and the other one plays saxophone. And they had been in bands forever. And um, and so when they decided to do this, they reached out to a local club owner. And they said, do you think there is a market here in Dallas for 
you know, a Springsteen tribute band. And the guy said, absolutely. He says, I think we've been needing this for a long time. And if you two are involved, I know that it will be good. Um, So, you know, they have a just a regular, you know, um, white guy playing saxophone. And and uh, and what I love about your story is you didn't say, oh, I need to get a guy who looks like Clarence. No, you said, I want a good saxophone player. I want someone I want everyone in the band to be committed that this is this isn't just kind of a part time gig. This is when we play, we play together. Yeah, exactly. And so, I ha- go ahead. I had a conversation with uh, Steve Van Zandt and Maureen Van Zandt via Twitter uh, a few years ago. We were talking about, they'd been to see, I can't remember who it was exactly, uh, and somebody asked um, uh, their views on cover bands, and uh, Maureen said something about, like, well, I, I don't really like them. If you're going to play music, play your own music. And I was like, oh, right, oh, you know, it's a bit strange. Like, and and Steve, Steve said something about, like, yeah, but, you know, there's not always the chance for people to do this, you know. People spend years making music and never get anywhere sort of thing, even though some of it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, he says, so I don't mind cover bands as such. So I tweeted them and sort of joined the conversation, what do you feel about tribute bands? And both of them said they didn't like them. And I was like, all right, you know. <laughs> This is well, why? I said, well, you make your own music and that. I said, yeah, but it's all about the music. I said, it's all about the music. I said, surely you should understand that, Steve. You know, surely you should understand that. You know, you're a musician. How many people do you? And I, I always get the sense that Bruce and Stevie are big music fans. They're not just musicians. They are big music fans. And, and like myself, I, I see myself like that, you know, and, uh, you know, and he sort of like said, well, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, and then Maureen joined in, she says, well, if it's all about the music, you go for it, and I thought, oh, God, <laughs> I'm vindicated, you know, and then in Bruce's book, he talks about him and Clarence, um, and I always wonder about this, whether he, he actually heard us, because he talks about when Clarence, when they were looking you know, they were deciding, do we carry on? Do we get another sax player? Do we play without the saxophone? Do we, you know, this, that, and the other, and then decided that they would, you know, they, they went looking for a suitable saxophone player, and he said that he looked at a lot of the tribute bands. You know, and I have to wonder whether he actually came across us somewhere on the internet or, or whatever, you know, and, and what he actually thinks about it or... Because that must be that must be strange, you know. It must be really strange, uh, not only having people, you know, playing your music, which must happen to just about every famous musician, but to have people, you know, who are playing entirely your back catalogue, they're dressing like you on stage, you know. And I suppose as long as it doesn't uh, cross over t- into your personal life it's not so bad you know I don't walk about 24-7 thinking I'm Bruce Springsteen 
but for those three hours I want to emulate him I want to feel like he does I think for those three hours while I'm on stage you know I want to feel that energy that that sort of because there is nothing like it there's nothing like playing live music and, and, and playing I mean I'm never going to feel exactly like him because he's got the added thing that I wrote this you know which is great but I hope that I get you know I think even a fraction of what he feels uh, you know is great you know to just go out play it love it and there's nothing like it really yeah I, I love that um and you know it's it is about the music and this is you want to make sure um you're not doing um and i i say this with all love in my heart you know a bad elvis impersonator right you want that energy and the joy of the music uh so that you can get them you know, you're sharing the love that the E Street Band does and and passing it on and finding it your own twist to it. You know, you're um, like you talked about doing maybe some acoustical songs. So, you know, you're not a jukebox playing it exactly the same way. What you do is, you know, you try to catch the feeling and the sense and the magic of the E Street Band while playing it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is. I mean, we all are musicians. We all play in other bands. We all do different things as well, you know. So it is about coming together and playing that music. Um, but yeah, yeah, just I don't know. Just there's just something about it. Just something, something special about playing that music. There, there really is. Yeah. Um, this has been fascinating. I, I just really appreciate it. Um. So, uh, I, it sounds like you guys are going to keep playing, and just as long as people want to keep hearing you. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, don't want to hear as well as keep playing. Conviction. It's, um, I think, like, uh, Bruce said it himself, you know, and my wife has said it to me. Sometimes I said, like, oh, you know, it's, it's getting a bit much. I'm getting in at four in the morning. And she said, oh, forget it. She said, you're still going to do it. You know, you're a musician for life, yeah. and I think maybe that's maybe that is is the thing. It's a calling. It's not, you know. I could probably make more money doing other things. I could probably make more money in another band. I could probably, you know. But I make my music out of money. Uh, my my music out of money. My money out of music. You know, I I play in bands. I teach music. I I used to lecture on music in in college and university. And things. So yeah, music is my my passion. You know, really. Yeah. Um, so if we want, to, I I'm I assume the uh, your website www.eaststreetband.co.uk. Yeah. Uh, we also have the the Facebook. Facebook is, is probably gets used a lot more. Um, as with most people nowadays, I think, which is just these street bands, you know, on Facebook searches, or you search me, you know, I'm on there. People can get in touch, you know, if they want to come and see us, you know, if they want to ask anything, yeah, you know, we, we usually respond. Uh, 
So yeah, you know, we're, we're, I think that's another another great thing we try and do is try and be, you know, like really open with people, approachable. You know, we don't go to the gig, sit in a dressing room and things. We go out and we talk to people. We had a a, a gig in September. We we play this. It, it's in my hometown, and um, it's a club, and we play uh, as close to we can as Bruce's birthday every year. We call Bruce's birthday bash. And they opened up early for people this year, and we had like various competitions. And I was being the, you know, hosting. Um, we had like picture quizzes, so I did all that stuff, you know, just, just for a laugh, really, and just, you know, just really good fun. But what we also did was the night before, before the gig, we knew there were a lot of people coming along. You know, we were staying in a hotel for, for the weekend, you know, coming across to come to the gig on Saturday, but we're arriving sort of lunchtime Friday. So past couple of years, we've done an acoustic gig. Um, the drummer and the bass player came along this time as well, and we played, you know, some acoustic versions of songs. Just took requests and things, which was really good fun. You know, we're, we're not sort of precious in one way, but we are in another. We're really precious about the music. We want to do it justice. Um, you know, the music deserves it. The music itself deserves that. And uh, But we also like the fun element, you know, and, and the community, I guess. Yeah. I've heard people say, when you go to a Springsteen show, and it's like a, it's a communal event. It's not like a concert. It's a communal event. You know, I've seen loads and loads and loads and loads of other bands, you know, various that I know, I've never seen anything like it. And I, I'm not saying that in a biased way. I mean, I, you know, I, I do love a lot of other bands. I love, I love the Stones, I, uh, Dylan I love. Uh, I think one of the best gigs I've ever been to is I saw Jimmy Cliff um, about 10 years ago in a small club. And he was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal, you know. That's one of the best gigs I've ever seen. You know, and, um, there's loads. There's, you know. Yeah. So, Steve, I, I, I did want to just give you just, and this is kind of off topic, but I noticed you on your page. Um, you talked about Dolores's passing from the cranberries. Do you uh, want to share a few minutes, just some thoughts on that? I just found it quite sad, you know, you just, the, the cranberries were fantastic. I, ju I just loved them, and just such a, um, a distinctive voice, you know, such a distinctive voice, and I just, yeah, and, and bands like that sometimes slip out of your consciousness, you know, people forget about a lot of these bands, but uh, fantastic, you know, such great, great band, such a great band, and Dolores is such a fantastic voice. Yeah, that's what struck me is I loved her voice. I loved the uniqueness of it, and and it was very sad for me as well that, you know, um, you and I are close to the same age. I, I'm 58, um, and, you know, we're, unfortunately, a lot of our musical heroes are, you know, reaching that age, and they're older than us that, you know, they are, we are losing them. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons why I'm so grateful that Bruce is still here and still active creatively and, and making music. Um, so, 
um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, I, I figured that's what you wanted to share, and I, I appreciate that. She was yeah. something special. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, as I say, you know, there's, there's some of the people like that, just, they disappear from people's sort of consciousness, their music radar sometimes, and you know, and it, it's so sad because there is so much. I hear a lot of people say, no, there's no good music anymore, but there is. There's loads and loads and loads, you know. I mean, there's some fantastic young songwriters out there. I mean, I'm not a particular fan of Ed Sheeran, but I think he's great. Yeah. Uh, did a cover of Atlantic City, and people were like, oh, it's terrible. And it's like, no, it's not. You've just got this sort of, I don't know, preconceived idea of who Ed Sheeran is. And uh, there's a guy in England, I don't know if he's made it over to America, but he's... Uh, a guy called Jake Berg, that okay. uh, fantastic. His first album was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, a lot of it reminded me of, uh, sort of John Cash, really. You know, but and then you still got the older end. I mean, Bruce. It, uh, hopefully, there is this new solo album going to come out, and you know, we sort of we know it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you got people like Steve Earle still writing. Yeah, you know, absolutely. People like that, you know, it will go on. I mean, Dylan, yeah. his past sort of three or four albums have been absolute classics. Absolutely, you know, and just so much, you know, we're blessed. We are blessed that this is still going on. All right, I have kept you way too long. A uh, couple of last questions. Uh, when Bruce tours again, is there any songs that you have not heard live or you've only heard a couple of times that you'd be wishing if you had your virtual sign up play this, what would they be? Um, for you and the full band. Okay. <laughs> That's just being greedy. I've, I've been lucky. I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, people say, oh, I've never heard him play Incident. I've heard him play it. Uh, you know, um, I, I was really pleased. I went, I went to the show he did at Leeds when and he opened the first direct arena down the Wrecking Ball Tour. I'm a big Creedence fan, Creedence Water. Um, and I never think they get mentioned enough in Bruce circles, actually. I think they must have been just a bigger influence on him as Elvis was in some ways, musically. Yeah. I think, and aside from the flannel shirts. But, um, which is another, another funny story, actually, but uh, if we have the time... Please. <laughs> And uh, it, they played Badman Rising. You know, I was like, oh, wow, I've seen Bruce play, play Credence. Oh, that's and, awesome. Of course, you have. You've seen him play You'll Stop the Rain a, a number of times. You know, this, that, and the other. But ju just a quick, a quick funny story. During the reunion tour, um, my wife and myself went uh, to, to a few shows. I think we rented them all in England. Um, but we went to the in two nights in Manchester back to back. And we were talking to somebody and they stayed in the same hotel as Bruce. And they say, oh, we, they go for sound check about two o'clock. If you want to meet them, if you go, then you might see them. So we came up. Manchester's not far. So we drove home and went back the next day with some friends. We decided we'd go and find the hotel, go and get something to eat, come back, you know, blah, 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 
and we got to the hotel and there was loads of people outside so the word had obviously spread so we walked round the back you know and said oh come on we're not waiting let's go and get some food walked round the back and my wife says why don't we just go in the hotel and get something to eat it's a public place you know let's go and get a drink something to eat and there so we did and um, we stood up to leave and this guy from the hotel came up to us and said uh, you might want to leave out the back entrance sir because we've got a celebrity in in the hotel and there's a lot of people outside the front waiting to see him you know so you may want to go out of the back to avoid them okay thanks yep we will and he sort of showed us down this passageway just as we're walking down who else comes walking out but bruce and patty Oh, nice. So we sort of said, I, you know, I asked him if they could play for you. And he said, we've not done that one for a while. We did it in, in Asbury Park or something. I think they played it in a rehearsal show. And then my wife turned to me and she said, oh, no, Bruce. I'll never get him to stop wearing those check shirts now. Because <laughs> Bruce had one on. Uh, you get a yeah, eleven jersey shoes. I'm never going to stop wearing those bloody check shirts. Like, you know, that's that's my wife's one one conversation with Bruce. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I love that story. That is greatness. Um, you know, God bless our wives who put up with our obsessions, <laughs> right? Not many. <laughs> Not many. Uh, yeah, uh, Steve, this has been great. Um, once again, tell everyone how they can reach you if they want to and get more information. Uh, Facebook, East Street Band. Um, the website, eastreetband.co.uk. Music uh, quite active on the East Street Fan site as well. You've gone there. You know, there's a lot of great people on there. We're doing a lot of great stuff. You know, to all raising money for charity. They're all Bruce fans. You've seen the shirts, they're, they're all over the world. Bruce gave a shout out to them in Kilkenyan uh, Island. He pulled the big banner onto the stage that they've made as well. And Stevie in, I think it was Manchester or in London, doing the River Tour, the last River Tour, which was really good. So, yep, well, I'm sort of always around there. All right, very nice. Um... If you want to be on the podcast, like Steve, and talk about your Bruce journey, send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, uh, Set Lusting Bruce. You can check that out and like it. Uh, if you could go to iTunes to rate and review the podcast, it really was appreciated. My personal Twitter is at Jesse Jackson DFW, and the show is at Set Lusting Bruce. You know, thank you, Steve. This is great. I I, I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, we're going to end with, I came for you, for you, I came for you. But you did not need my urgency. I came for you, for you, I came for you, but your life was one long emergency. And your crowd line urges me, and my electric surges free. Thank you very much. Take care. Racing in the street.
would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.